Good morning. I am Sue Fullergood from the Energy Incubator and uh, the author of The Sweet Spot. And I am so excited today to have um, Neville Kambasha on, um, my, on our podcast, The Root Map to Wellbeing. It's very exciting to have a chance to talk to um, Mr. K as we've come to know him. And uh, he's brought along quite a few of his team who can join the conversation should we feel it necessary. So um, without further ado, welcome Mr. K and thank you so much for being here this morning and uh, being willing to share with us some of your, as I would say, somewhat unconventional leadership practices and uh, unconventional ways of running your business and, and um, working with your staff. I'd love to download some of those ideas for our listeners around the world to listen to and to consider for themselves. Um, just to give you a little bit of a background, I came to meet Mr. K when he um, unfortunately injured his himself uh, as part of his training um, to be fit enough to be part of his basketball team and a basketball tournament that they run in their company. And uh, it was just a fascinating um, experience to be involved with helping Mr. K get better. And uh, I've subsequently been lucky enough to be involved a little bit with their business and I uh, hope to be involved more because they really are an amazing bunch of people. Mr. K, thank you for being here. and. Can I ask you to introduce yourself a little bit, tell us a little bit about your journey and uh, let the listeners come to understand you a little bit. So thank you so much for having me again. And again, welcome to your listeners. It's a pleasure to always connect with you. And uh, I'm excited just to be here and share a brief, uh, you know, of our story, background and just give you some insights. So I'm happy to engage with you this morning. Thank you so much. Will you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your journey and yourself? Yeah, sure. So I started a business um, uh, well, probably 22 years ago. And we started off in the telco space. We were doing a lot of airtime distribution for the big telcos in South Africa. That business then evolved onto the continent. We went to about nine African countries and we we're doing the same. And uh, over the period, um, we went into actually owning the mobile network, starting off with Malawi, where we got the third GSM network right there in that country. And we also, when Vodacom Mozambique launched, we were also like a part shareholder in that particular business. And that has been the journey in terms of just starting off or budding out of that business environment. Uh, it then led us to diversify our portfolio where we decided to look at different uh, sectors. We went into mining and logistics, and uh, we've now grown that mining business specifically in the coal space uh, where we have grown significantly and probably now the eighth largest coal mining company in the country. And uh, we also involved with Bollore Logistics where we own 51% of that business. Bollore is a French company. It's listed on the France exchange, 200 years in existence. And um, we're number one in Europe and we are their partners in South Africa growing the logistics, which includes shipping, which includes uh, rail, which includes air freight, and uh, all uh, forwarding that is involved in anything logistics. Wow. Okay. Yep. And you are very involved uh, in the entrepreneurial space. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how you came to be so involved in that um, aspect of so, business? 
Yeah, I, I call that my passion project, if you'd like. So I think uh, when we were doing quite well when we started off the business, probably four years after we got in around 2006, seven. I started having different individuals. I mean, emerging young entrepreneurs approaching me. Hey, could you help us with this small amount of working capital? Could you help us with this idea? Could you give us some insight? Could you give us some counsel? So I would get so many inquiries on an ongoing basis. And I think uh, one day um, I, I, I met uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson, uh, who whom I hosted at that time. And uh and then he asked me to say, but why don't you formalize what you're doing and, uh, and actually make it an institution? So at that point, I decided to uh, create a whole platform for entrepreneurs uh, with an intention of just empowering them as they would come. So it would help them with capital, help them with ideas, would help them just with basic support, even networking or connecting them or giving them access in different places. So that is how that entrepreneurship journey uh, grew. So now we are more uh, direct, we are more kind of uh, meticulous, we are more focused in terms of our approach where we are now building ventures in different areas with a desire of making them you know, solid businesses over the period. Wow, what an amazing offering to give to people who really need a leg up in the world and you need a chance. It must bring you a lot of fulfillment, I should imagine. Can you tell no. us a little about that, uh, that aspect of your working life? No, absolutely. I, I mean, I think uh, I'm inspired by what Napoleon Hill would say, that the quickest and best way uh, to be successful is to help as many people as possible. And uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's a very profound uh, view. And uh, and the best way to to lend you know a hand to the person that is obviously needing an opportunity to make a difference is so fulfilling in itself. And uh, I've obviously seen that over the years that I get fulfilled as I do that. And uh, and also you you can imagine when you're living in an environment, especially from South Africa, as you would know, you're dealing in with a political landscape that is not. Uh, sadly, not created an enabling environment, you know, for emerging entrepreneurs and those who want to get into business or, or who want to make it. If you look at our employment, unemployment rate now probably sitting at about 38%. And if you're looking at the number of young people with potential who are excluded uh, from the main economy, it's really disheartening. So uh, it's, it's sad because you know, it's it's individuals that have been betrayed by uh, uh, the people they trusted in terms of bringing in change and creating an enabling environment. So the only thing we can do to to obviously correct that narrative is to do something, um, and we will start obviously doing our own uh, our own small activities, as it were, where we go in and make a difference. The best to just help and transform the individuals to become successful entrepreneurs so we teach them the importance of strategic partnerships the importance of just having strategy the importance of just understanding how money works capital and all those elements that are associated with just building a solid business and uh, we then give them the opportunity to obviously get into the real world bring in some of our global corporate relationships who we'll then interact with them and allow them to start a business and start a business that is underpinned with uh, a partnership in, in, 
as, as it were. So through that, they're then able to, to run those businesses and create their own success stories. Wow. And you obviously, um, you call yourself an entrepreneur and you obviously have been incredibly entrepreneurial in your thinking and in the way that you've started your businesses. Can you um, share with us some of the stresses and strains of being an entrepreneur and how you manage to overcome those? Because it's a hard and demanding and grilling and grueling journey. Yeah, I, th I think it is in, in many ways. And uh, when, you, when you look at it, and I think the best way you have to, to remain self-motivated. And I think that becomes an important thing, just getting off and starting the day with just a positive outlook and knowing that if it is to be, it is up to you. You have, you have the responsibility to make it as an individual. And uh, one of the most important thing uh, when, when you look at it, I always uh, share with our various entrepreneurs that persistence uh, will open the door for you. And uh, when the door opens, consistency is what will keep what you've secured. And I think so the elements and those two twin towers, if you'd like, of persistence and consistency become an important uh, they become important drivers to just keep you positive and focused as you move forward. Wow. And um, there is something around just knowing um, how hard to push and how and when to actually say, okay, this needs to change or it's not actually working. Um, I call it the dip, and that comes after a book I read, um, which I think really beautifully explains it. There is a time at which you you need to to be able to either quit or change direction. Can you talk a little bit to that? Have you experienced that in your journey and uh, with the entrepreneurs that you've worked with? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's it's inevitable, you know, to experience that because if you are going to pathfind, if you're going to go and pioneer something, the deep is inevitable. And I think uh, it is what you do when the deep happens that sets you apart. And I think that is where we see the uh, the success emerging out of that, as it were, because I think life is a collection of various moments, and you have to ensure that when you hit the deep, find that golden thread in that, find that uh, silver bullet that will help you to get out of that environment, because it's easy to get into a rattle. If uh, you are not self-motivated, if you're not focusing on the bigger picture, and uh, I've come to understand that vision will always remain consistent, but what is important, you must always be flexible with strategy. So in that environment, even when you hit a deep, know that just be constant and understand that vision will come to pass and vision will, will be achieved if you don't remove your eyes on the go. Wow. Yeah, so it's to keep the, the vision consistent, but uh, maybe tweak the actions that you're taking in the direction of creating the vision. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. And, and I always say that uh, obstacles is the only, you only see obstacles if you remove your eyes from the focus. And uh, so it's important to just have complete total focus. And that will help us to overcome the different deeps. Yeah. Wow. And so you are a, a leader of many. 
literally around the world. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your leadership journey and um, and and what uh, what has really kept you um, on the successful leadership path? Would you say? I think the most important thing as you uh, with a person is uh, what is important to note if you're a leader. A leadership cannot happen unless we are responsible. Uh, leadership demands responsibility as the first first point of departure. And I think that is the most important thing. And, and many people have to come to appreciate that the more, um, obviously, the more you get elevated to leadership, the more and the demand of for you to be more responsible. So responsibility becomes an important thing. And I think we're living in a world where everybody and most of the people rather are not willing to take responsibility. They want to go out there and blame the next person, point out to the next person and so forth. But when we understand what is important is that we then uh, come to terms to understand that uh, you need to be responsible even when something doesn't go wrong i've always told uh, our entrepreneurs that if uh, if it's not your fault it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not your responsibility so we, we need to be at a place where we take responsibility and i think those are the things that help us to do that and uh, when you are leading it means that uh, you are you, there's a number of people that look up to you. So you need to step up in terms of the way you lead. There's a difference between have being a leader and having followers, you know, and just being followed. When you've got leadership traits, you have to ensure that you are stepping out. And it's important for you to be a bridge that then connects the people to their vision, connects the people to their desires, connects the people to whatever it is that you're leading them to achieve, whether it's to complete their work. And if you can't be the bridge, then stop being the wall as a leader. And I think that is an important thing. And if you're going to be uh, that individual that goes and lifts the next person, you are helping them at least be at a place where you help them to see the bigger picture and lead them forward. Because we, we, we live in an environment where we learn via observation. And I think as a leader, people want to observe uh, more than they want to hear you speak. They want to observe how you do things, how you relate, how you, uh, how you carry yourself, et cetera, and so forth. So we're in that environment where we are forced as leaders uh, to grow in a fish tank and where it's so visible, you have to, 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 to allow yourself to obviously uh, you have to make mistake in full view as a leader. And if you want to see how you get up from those mistakes and move forward, even at times as leaders, you have to also be okay to lift the next person and not suffer from fear of being in control because most of the time we're intimidated by the people that we would lead because we feel uh, they might get the limelight and so forth, et cetera. But when you suffer from fear of not being in control, you can allow the next person to flourish and you also get the upside of the efforts. And I think that becomes something that is important. So I always say that uh, if you can't be um, the vaccine to help the person that's in need, then stop being the virus to kill the opportunity. Wow. Powerful words indeed. And uh, I love um, how you say, you know, you've got to be willing to make your mistakes in full view uh, in a fish tank type of scenario. And 
a lot of people wouldn't say that leadership and uh, I call it also personal mastery are part of well-being, but to me they're completely integral. Um, can you comment on that? Yeah, so so I, I do want to make sure I, I get your question correct. Uh, you want to just give it back to me, please? Yeah, so so many people wouldn't say that uh, leadership and personal mastery are, are, are important aspects of well-being, yet for me they're completely integral because uh, you can't feel well unless you're living your passion and living your truth and being the most powerful version of you out there in the world. So I just wanted to know um, your take on on uh, leadership and personal mastery and their connection to well-being. Of course. So, so when we look at personal mastery, and I think that's where it all buds from, and I think that's the starting point. And um, I think maybe one the reason why I, I stopped throwing pity parties, uh, I realized first of all they're expensive to host, and uh, second of all, uh, the challenge with pity parties is that very few people attend, and uh, those who actually attend don't bring any presents. So it's uh, it, it, you either get into that rattle where you're going to go into this uh, cycle where you can start looking at your own self and say, oh, my word, and feel sorry, then self, you know, inferiority complex kicks in in that environment. But when you have mastered that and when you have understood that, you, you literally rise above that and you begin now to lead people from a different point of view. You're no longer uh, uh, assessing people based on where they are, but you are now looking at them based on where they are going because now suddenly you understand that as human beings, if their well-being is in good alignment, if they have got aspirations to, to pursue something, you would know that they will evolve over time and they don't remain in the same in the same environment. They will go forward and progress as it were. So I've learned to understand that. I want to engage with people based on where they are going rather than based on where they are. So let me identify the diamond before it's polished. Let me identify the pilot before he can fly. Let me see that greatness as it went. You can only do it if you do not have self uh, inferiority complex. If you do not have, if you have mastered how to to be positive in your own way. If you begin to see the good in others. If you rise above that, and I think those are elements that help you to obviously give you uh, hope as you, as you move forward. And uh, as as something that is important, you must never ever and get to a place where you suffer from just affirmation affirmation deficiency you know where 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 you you feel like if you are going to um to do something you need somebody to affirm you and to 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 applaud you and so forth and uh, you you must be okay just knowing that what you've done you've done to to the satisfaction of yourself and you must be content with it and i think that becomes very important and and as a parting short on that note, I've learned this, and I think that's the best way you keep yourself intact. It affects your well-being. I've learned to understand that. Uh, I never allow the praises uh, to, that I would get from people to get into my head, because uh, when you allow them to get into your head, uh, what will happen is that when they criticize you, they're criticism 
will get into your heart. But if you do not allow the praises to get into your head, it means that you will not allow their criticism to get your heart. So you're always insulated because you didn't allow the accolades to get into your head and so forth. So there's something there around uh, really tuning into your inner environment more than your outer environment for your um, encouragement and um, um, yeah, encouragement and uh, acknowledgement. And uh, that must mean that you're tuning in at least in part to your spiritual side. Can you um, share with us a little bit about how your spiritual journey has supported your success in the world? Yeah, absolutely. I, I always believe that uh, a fish cannot survive outside of water. And uh, for me, every, every being that is created by God has to be connected to the creator. Uh, so uh, for me as a Christian, I find that is my anchor that holds. And I find that that is the most important guiding light or tool for me. I understand and I appreciate that as, as human beings, we can't chase darkness. You know, you, it's difficult to drive darkness away, but it's easy to drive darkness when you switch on the light. So that whole spiritual, um, uh, you know, intuition, if you'd like, of just having that background helps you to understand when to switch on the light. It gives you that light. It gives you the hope. It gives you just an understanding that, um, you know, there's a greater force that is at work in your life. There's, there's something that is greater. So there is hope that comes from just belief. And that's why I underpin my, my spiritual journey to Jesus Christ, who is the anchor that holds. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, um, and that helps you to, as you say, keep connected to uh, that which sustains you, obviously. Um, you spoke about, uh, you know, staying connected and, and also about your, um, um, defense against affirmation deficiency. Can you um, share with us any particular practices which have been of great value to you? Okay, so I, I, I think one of the thing is, uh, is just to appreciate an, an important element that helps is to understand that if you are going to pursue something and you put something into practice, you have to ensure that you have a solid foundation for it. And one of the things that I've done, Sue, is I've put in systems in place uh, to drive towards my objectives, to drive towards my goals, to, to drive to a place where I draw my own satisfaction from that. So if you look at the word system in itself, um, I'm guided by this acronym for, from this word system. So S uh, obviously is standing for, so if I put S uh, stands for safe. So I'm just trying to play it in my head, sorry. And then mm -hmm. Y, and then it's U, okay. And I'm, I'm giving the acronym for system and then S, stress, okay, and then T, time, 
and then E, energy, and then M, money. So if you look at that acronym, the save you, stress, time, energy, and money. So let's go. So if you have got a system, it's going to save you time, it's going to save you stress, it's going to save you energy, it's going to save you money. So put your system in place. And when you do that, you then now drive into something. So that helps you to achieve your goals and to achieve something. So that's how I plan my own business. That's how I plan my own day. I'm not going to waste my day chasing stuff that don't, I mean, that make me lose money or lose my energy. I don't RSVP to every argument. I don't focus on things that don't uh, draw me. So I'm focused on that. And when I set up my goals every week, even with our entrepreneurs, I already tell them upfront, this is what we're going to do in the following week. So I am planning already in terms of what I need to do and so forth. So that alone gives, keeps you focused. It keeps you aligned. It keeps you chasing something that is systematic, something that allows you to move forward uh, with, with an end goal in mind. Mm -hmm. So what you're describing here is very much about, um, and I love your, your acronym for system, it's very much about self-leadership. It's about actually not waiting for things to drop out of the sky onto your lucky lap, but rather creating them and taking charge of developing them yourself um, in this systematic way. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and, and I think that's the most important thing. And uh, we are, like I said, when I open to say that if it's to be, it is up to me. We are only, we are the only people that can get in our own way, you know, so you're the only individual that can stand in your own progress. And I think you're the only same person as well who can make things happen. And uh, I, I want to get off my lorry and get on and start making things happen. And I think that is what is important. So I'm not the person that's going to wait uh, for some, something to just drop off. I am going to make it rain. I am going to make it successful. I'm going to drive it because it's all dependent on me to get off and make it work and so forth. To bear fruit, it's up to me. Now you must suffer from fear as you take these bold steps that you're describing here. How do you manage the fear that um, I would imagine comes up for you? Well, I think I'll give you a, a quick acronym for fear, two of them. So maybe they can help you to give you my answer in detail. So the first flip side of fear is um, forget everything and run, okay? Mm -hmm. That's fear. So I go with the latter, and this is the latter. Face everything and rise. So mm -hmm. I go with that latter, and my focus is facing everything. Because whatever you don't face, you can't conquer. And um, you, you have to understand, if you're going to the next level, it must give you goose. It, you must feel some chills. You, you, it must frighten you. It, it must get to a place because you're walking in territories uh, uh, uncharted. You know, you're, you're moving into new environments and new territories and you must be okay uh, to appreciate that. And I think one of the most important thing is that um, success, you know, is almost, 
is almost on the other side of fear. <laughs> so, so you have to be at a place where you conquer that so that you can then go in and get what it is. And uh, that is the beauty of it, living in an environment where it's both exhilarating and worse is both frightening. So managing that balance is something that becomes your pivoting place. So what we know about stress is that if you have too little of it, you'll be bored. And if you have too much of it, you'll be in distress. So we've yeah. got to keep ourselves somewhere in between. And, and can you talk a little bit to that? How do you make sure that your, the stress doesn't become overwhelming to you? I think, uh, yeah, you, you must have an outlet. Uh, so one of the things that I've done, even with our own entrepreneurs, so I decided to take my own passion. So basketball has been my passion at school. So I've decided to impose it. <laughs> so I impose the same to my team, to our entrepreneurs. And uh, what I am trying to teach with that uh, sport, so we go out there, then play basketball, and we go, we have different teams and we will go and compete uh, between one another and just go out there and have fun. What we're doing is this, we're, I am teaching them to create an outlet for stress, to create an outlet, just to go in and refresh, regurgitate, come back, you know, in that environment, because that's the best way you can manage that. Stress, I believe you can manage it when you come out of your routine for a minute. And then you go up there and get to recharge your batteries. So you could recharge it. Some recharge it differently. Some will go by the beach. Some will go by the spa. You just go in and try in and just take a break uh, from routine and then go back into the thick of things. So that is how I manage my own stress uh, from a work point of view. I'll then go in, go and shoot enough basketball. That's my punchy bag. That's my... Uh, my my place of, of of just rejuvenating you know my my focus and and my approach in life so and there's something really important there about having fun and 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 about having fun together in terms of creating well-being and managing stress as you go along and also building um camaraderie among yourselves yeah, exactly. And, 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 and I think, um, as you'd know, so happiness automatically adds more years to your life. And I think, um, and uh, I call you a happiness dealer. So you are so feel good. And uh, <laughs> so, so, so it's about just going out there and, and allowing, uh, it's difficult for you to, uh, to defeat a happy person. It's difficult for you to um, to bring down a person uh, who is uh, positive and who's full of life and who's just happy and their approach because it helps you to look at different things from a different perspective. And I think find something that makes you happy, pursue it, grow it, water it, and and just go with it. And I think those are important things that help you to move forward. And most of the time, the things uh, you might not have a lot of things to be happy about. Just look at the invisible, be positive. Uh, you know, like right now we're connected via Wi-Fi, but most of us can't see it, we can't touch it. But it gives us the opportunity to download this conversation, to be connected. 
So at times, let's be connected to the invisible. Let's be connected to something that we don't see. And we're just hoping for it and saying, hey, it's going to happen. And we are going to make sure that happens. So I think your hope for the future, positive hope for the future, can keep you happy and focused too. Yeah, I love that. And uh, I mean, you're giving us so many really powerful suggestions for how to continue on our journey. So I really thank you for that. One of the things that I often um, look at with my clients um, when I'm coaching them is that hopefulness, which you talk a lot about, is on a continuum with helpless and hopeless. So if we if we could put that on a continuum, on a sort of balance beam or a, a number yeah. line, on one side we'd have hopeful on, and on the other side we'd have helpless and hopeless. Um, how do you um, think people can best try and keep themselves moving towards hopefulness uh, when times are tough? And, uh, you, you know, you've alluded to it really in South Africa at the moment. There are many people who are finding themselves in a space of hopelessness. And, uh, and it's really, really hard to just, you know, even if you can connect with um, the invisible and, and, the, and the magnificent things which support our, our existence on this planet. It is really hard to move even a bunny hop away from helpless and hopeless towards hope. Have you got any particular practices that you can share with the listeners regards that? Yeah, so, so, so and, and I hear you. And, and, and I think um, we, it can be overwhelming if uh, uh, the circumstances and, and the challenges that life could throw at, at people. And also looking at the macro environment that you, you point to, helpless, helplessness can easily creep in. And uh, that is, I, I, and I think there is no silver bullet to, uh, you know, to saying, hey, we'll inject you with this, then helplessness goes. And I think it has to be, it's unfortunately, even in the midst of uh, uh, the most trying times, is something that you have to fight yourself. And uh, the best way to fight it, if you don't have it, then connect and network. Then, then, then connect a network. That is your best way to try and get what you lack. And I think if you, you can't fight helplessness in a silo and you can't fight it in isolation. If you're in isolation, you'll get sick. But if you go into a community, you get healed. And I think that is an important thing that helps us to move forward into that environment of hope uh, is to get out. If you know you can't, generate enough hope uh, from your helpless state, quickly get off, find some place to go and connect and go in and connect in that environment. And before you realize that little glimmer or that spark of hope that the next person you might connect with might just be the thing that you need to lift you up from that helplessness. I always say that um, something very important is that once you're in a state of, of helplessness, worry becomes your entire, you, 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 you live in that environment because helplessness is as a result of worrying. You're worrying about something. You are worried about tomorrow. You're worried about the future and so forth. And when you look at it, worry is, in, in my own way of probably maybe trying to explain this, uh, I, I would say that worry is, is the interest that you would pay 
for the loan that you have not taken yet. And, 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 and now suddenly you are in that particular environment and you are caught up in this. So you need to get out of that place and stop paying interest for something that you have not taken yet and go and find an environment where you can connect to somebody. Then that could be the lift that you need to go up. Wow. Uh, what a brilliant way to describe it. Warrior's interest on a loan you haven't yet taken, uh, which really talks to the fact that it's such a futile thing. And yet it's inherent in being human. It's almost impossible to never worry. But uh, two things in common to what you have said. Uh, the first thing is that it it, it is almost counterintuitive what you're suggesting because often when we feel helpless and hopeless we really want to withdraw and we want to isolate ourselves and we feel like we're the only people in the world who are having this experience and so we want to shut the world away but um I really, uh, I really love how you've encouraged people if they are feeling helpless to reach out to the community that is that is really potent um, we talk in, in mindfulness um, about worries and thoughts being sensations of the mind. And uh, I often say to people, it's almost like someone's just touching your arm. You know, they, it's just a sensation. You don't have to get engaged with it or, um, or you know, even in, investigate what it's really about. You can just let it pass and, uh, and take no notice of it. But somehow it's really hard to do that, I must say. And what do you do as a leader to help your um, followers and your staff um, to, to really stay connected to community uh, apart from the basketball? Have you got other practices that you've um, instigated in your business that are helping people to stay connected to community? Yeah, I, I think so. So, 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 so Sue, if, if you look at this, I hope, um, Let's maybe look at this. So there's always two things that I play in this, you know, and uh, there's what you would call a place and there's what you'd call a space, right? So when you look at place and space, those two uh, might might sound like they're, they're, they're the same thing. But, but when you look at it, a place simply refers to something that is a physical you know, uh, talks to something a physical place. It's something that is physical. You know, we are talking to, I am going to this place and so forth. So it is possible to be at a place, but not being in the space. So it's it, you could literally be disconnected, you know, in that environment. So what we're trying to do is to make sure that when you're at a place, you must also be at that in, in the space as it were, because space now talks to the mental being. It talks to being a work. It talks about being in that particular environment. So many people are at a place, but they're not in that space. Many people are at work, but they're not really at work. There is a disconnect, like you say. So it's, it's, it's a, almost like a parallel thing. So if you bring in this uh, together into this uh, uh, in, in to, to come in together into this confluence, you'll then be in a position where you can create great success out of that. So one of the things to your question in terms of what are the practices is to ensure that the team is in the same place as much as they are in the same space. 
So we have to allow awareness. So how do you do that? So you ensure that there is always collective working together. There is always common goal. There is always common vision. There is always uh, assignment that talks to say, hey, go out there and do this. So one of the things that we've introduced is our own book club. So we start reading the books, you understand? And congratulations to you again uh, on your on the launch of your book. I mean, we can't wait to have that official launch of your book in our own space, by the way. Um, you know, so so we we have a reading moment. So we are saying, hey, read together. So we give them one book and we say, okay, it's five of you. You're all going to read this book together. So what are we doing? So you are ensuring that you are putting this social pressure that allows people to remain connected so that they're in the same place as much as they're in the same space. When you achieve that, that's where magic, that's where success, that's where growth, that's where all the great things that we want to see in terms of progress happen when you have achieved that. Wow, what a brilliant idea, I must say. I love that because reading is so integral to well-being as far as I'm concerned. And uh, so thank you for uh, for sharing that that practice. Um, on that note, can you share with us, apart from The Sweet Spot, what books you are reading at the moment and finding to be most valuable for yourself? Uh, so uh, this, I'm reading again uh, because I enjoyed reading this book again. I'm reading The Richest Man in Babylon. Mm -hmm. uh, so great, great insights there. Uh, it's a recommended book. So I would recommend everybody to try and get that. The Richest Man in Babylon. So that's what I'm reading. Okay, wonderful. And the nugget that you've taken from it that's led you to read it again, could you give us one? Uh, it has taught me a lot of things about money and wealth. And I think that's what I am starting. Uh, so maybe I can give you a nugget and I'm paraphrasing it to my own, you know, okay? So, okay, so let me go for it. Poor people, all right, pursue money. Rich people pursue things. And wealthy people pursue legacy and destiny. So let me try one more time. Poor people pursue money and rich people pursue things and wealthy people pursue legacy and destiny. I love that. I love that. I choose and, to be wealthy. Yeah. And I, I honestly feel that if you are wealthy and pursuing legacy and destiny, then you can't help but having well-being. Uh, they can't be totally integral to one another. So I've got one question I'd really love to ask you. It must be really hard for you to keep work-life balance. I mean, you've got so many responsibilities, so um, so much travel in, in, uh, required to keep all the businesses around the world going. What do you do to help yourself um, stay in balance and, and not to overwork? And uh, have you got any um, shared practices or shared ideas or ideas you'd like to share on that? So there's a time, uh, Sue, I was working Monday through Friday all the way to 2015 because I was building something. And uh, I had a part of my family. You lend me this time and I'll go and make it rain. And when it's payback time, I'll give you all the time. 
So I'm at a place now where I'm having to move a part of our business to London uh, because my, my daughters are going to university and I cannot be in an environment where my daughters, you know, are not there. So I'm having to move an entire head office so that we can have our head office and the South African business. We can leave it with Carabo. I mean, and uh, those are the folks uh, to run right here. And we are moving the head office to London. Why? Because I am now paying back what I took from them in terms of giving back. So I think I borrowed in advance in terms of time. And now I'm paying it back. So I think your work-life balance should be a social contract that should be achieved between you and your loved ones. And you will have to come in and say, this is how it's going to go down. And this is what I am solving for. And when that happens, they stay committed to that commitment. Wow. I've never, ever heard anyone describe balance in that way. I love it. And uh, lucky daughters that you're going to be nearby while they're at university. That's really amazing. Which university have they finally settled on? So we're between Cambridge and Oxford. And uh, so we've got pre-acceptance in both. So we'll see which of the two. Wow. How wonderful for them. And how wonderful that you're going to be nearby. And that you can. I mean, I love that you're so visionary that you can make anything happen. You literally can make it rain. As just a parting uh, sort of gift to us, can you give us some sort of idea as to how you keep your vision um, vision so clear and crystal clear in your own mind and how you really do keep yourself believing that everything is possible? Uh, I want to take that. Uh, maybe I could try and answer that with a quick quote from the Bible, if you don't mind. Okay. And I'm going to just do that, uh, Sue, because Joseph has a dream and the dream is saying that he's going to be king and he's going to be king. And that's the dream that he has. He tells his brothers, the brothers become jealous. Long story short, he ends up in prison. He remains focused even in a prison environment. The only reason why Joseph remained focused in prison and did not lose his mind, did not lose his marbles, he did not go cuckoo. The only reason he remained focused is because he did not see the prison in his dream. So it meant that that part of the prison was not the end game. He only saw the end game being him being king. So what is important is this, what kept him insanity, what kept him alive, it was the purpose. It was what he saw as the end game. So what I'm saying to all your great listeners uh, from around the world is that do not let your vision be deemed. Do not allow anything to distract you from the end game. Your end game must have enough pull to pull you from every distraction, to pull you from every challenge, to pull you from every trial, to pull you from every that life throws at you and whatever it is do not ever ever give up on your vision and i want you to know that i think it's an important thing even when the going gets tough you have to remain focused on what you believe in and what you perceive in what you saw and never ever sell the sun to buy a candle no matter what keep focus on what you saw
Wow. Thank you for that. And uh, I must say, I'm so glad that you alerted us to that story in the Bible because it's stories that make us remember things. So um, Joseph's story is, is a beautiful story for us all to hold in the front of our minds as we go forward after listening to this. Thank you so much for sharing such a lot of wisdom and insight and um, wealth with us. You really, really have. And uh, I have written down some notes because I'd like to make a summary of what you've said. My, my, I've already got about six pages going here. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your um, insight and your time and your wealth of knowledge and um, wisdom. And how can people get hold of you if they want to um, be in touch with your business? What, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Uh, so they could just go onto our website. Thank you, Sue. So it's info at barrowholdings.com. And we are right there. We respond and get on with you. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Have a wonderful day. And thank you again for your time. Thank you so much, Sue. Awesome.